and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. Morning is from Matthew. This verse 13. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, What are the people saying about who is the Son of Man? He replied, Some think he is John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He pressed them. And how about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of John. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now, I'm going to tell you who you are, Lydia. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock in which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it up. So, uh, thank you, Thorne, and we are starting a new fall tradition, and uh, that is after the scripture reading. Before the sermon, there will be a time for all of you who feel uh, young at heart, of any age, uh, to be a part of the children's message. Okay, so I brought some uh, visual aids from home, and I had to dig pretty hard to get them. Have an idea what that is? No, good answer. She's sharp, isn't she? Gravel. Okay. I wanted to bring a bigger rock, but they were all too heavy. <laughs> all right. Now, this again, the scripture that Thorne read talks about the rock. And he says to Peter, he says, Who do people say that I am? And he says, that, that, that. And how about you, Peter? And Peter says, You are the Christ. Son of the living God. 
And then Jesus said, right on, Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, what's interesting, and, and your, your terrific music director here, Gabriel, is, is going to be making a trip with her husband and some others to Greece. And when she comes back, she's going to know so much of the Greek language. So it will be amazing because this passage touches on that. So when Jesus said, you are Peter, in the original New Testament Greek, he is the word Petros. Travel, shifting, not stable. Okay? That's rocks right there. And then Jesus said, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the word he used for this rock is Petra, not Petras, Petra. And this is just a little tiny bit. Because there's a big, gigantic city in the Middle East called Petra. And it is literally made out of rock. And so, in this passage, as Jesus and we are talking about the church this morning, Jesus is saying, no, the church isn't built on Peter, the man Peter, because he's gravel. But the church is built upon the rock, and the rock represents all of those people like Peter, like you and me, who can say, yes, you are Jesus, the Son of the living God. So my invitation for you, then, is uh, bring, uh, next week, we'll do the same, and bring those who are young at heart uh, to be a part of the uh, teenager, pre-teenagery message with today's scripture, modern scripture. And there's one more passage, and we'll be good. The uh, next scripture is from the book of Acts. It's the fellowship of believers. Acts 2. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship of the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to us all as has need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad 
and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to their number day by day to those who were being saved. So uh, thank you, Thorne, uh, for your introduction to uh, the biblical perspective on what is the church. As we go further in this, I'm going to uh, pose this question to you. And I'd like you to offer an answer in groups of three or four or five. Here's the question. You're out walking in your neighborhood. It happens to be a Sunday morning. And... Someone says to you, yeah, I think I'll go to church today. All right, in your group, tell one another, what do you think that statement means? Joe Mary out there says, I think I'm going to church today. Okay, so make groups of three or four. It'll take two minutes, three minutes. Ready? Groupies, ready, go. Well, I hope yeah. that uh, in your small group you uh, came up with the correct answer. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all right. I think that you know, you get A grade if you have the uh, correct uh, answer to that uh, that question. So it's interesting because for many people that statement, you know, I think I'll go to church means X Y Z building. I'm going to a building, and I think you got the closest. And uh, what did you say? You were close. they're going to the church of football. <laughs> okay, okay, you got it. Well, one of the one of the pieces that's really built into this idea of the church is that of relationship. And I was thinking about relationships this morning, and we will use the phrase, I ran into Joe or Mary on the street the other day. Well, that's really talking about a relationship, the ability to have relationships with one another. And I want to leave that word as a big foundational word as we look again at what is the church. Well, I got in touch with relationships and how important they are. This past Tuesday. Tuesday was the first day of school for our three grandsons, or two grandsons and granddaughters live a mile away from us. And I went there because walk about from here to that house and there's the bus stop and there's about six seven kids from the neighborhood their parents their dogs that come and so last year before we were all shut down a year and a half ago when we were still doing it in person we called it the, the school bus stop club are you a member of the school bus stop club? Joe can say. Well, all of us would gather while we waited for the bus and the kids to get on, and we had this time to connect. Well, Tuesday, it was so interesting because all of us were celebrating 
and we could be back together again. And the school bus stopped flood, even with six dogs. <laughs> but it points to relationships. And so as we're sort of unpacking again the idea of what is the church, the big word that I want to put out there is relationship with one another. And so we would say then that the church is simply a place where Jesus' followers or people curious about Jesus can gather with one another and learn about him and be encouraged by each other. Well, we, we, of course, have the concept that the church is a building. That's, that just dominates us big time. What's interesting is that church buildings did not exist until the middle of the 300s AD. The church, until that time, gathered in one another's homes or we would call them house churches. And that's where people were nurtured, encouraged, and strengthened in one another's homes. Well, as I was preparing this week for today, I thought, wow, that's a big house churches. And I ran across <clears throat> this um, this article from a sermon that I gave in 1994, the summer of that year, at Trinity Presbyterian, where I was uh, their head pastor. And in that article, it I quoted what had happened in Albania, because it was in that year, 1994, that we, a group of about 15 of us from Trinity, we were asked to go to Albania as a short-term team to help this handful, handful of people, this remnant who were Jesus' followers, begin to share the gospel. As we went, we were uncertain about what we would experience in this total communist country. In fact, one of the articles says that the uh, dictator had totally locked down the country, had totally destroyed churches and mosques, and the dictator in Verhaja, his major goal was that people would, and literally this word was used, worship him. He would be the center of everything in that country. And so we discovered that if you even said, God, and a spy heard you, you'd be headed toward the slumber. It was that kind of oppressive place. And I want to show you, this is National Geographic of 1992 just after it had opened and they'd taken the, opened the borders and 
This shows their really, really fancy transit system. Yeah. And the dictator had told the people that they were the richest, most cultured, most sophisticated country in the world. And of course, he had sealed the borders, so they couldn't test that. And then when the borders opened, this is what they saw. And electricity and water ran two hours a day. You had to plan your day to figure that out. Well, the important part about the church in that context is there was virtually no church. A handful of Jesus followers in secret, hiding behind the bushes at best. And they asked us, this team of Alaskans, to help them reestablish the church, to share the gospel, reestablish the church. And the main thing they invited us to do was to go one Albanian, one uh, American with two Albanians, and go door to door and give out Albanian Bibles that had just been printed. I have a copy at home that I forgot to bring. It's about that high, about that thick. It's just the New Testament. But in every home where we knocked on the door, it was at least an hour-long conversation with the people in that home. They were so pruned spiritually. Where they had been shut down completely by communism. And they were so curious to know about Jesus and see how they could follow him. Well, under the heading then of what is the church, of course, when we got to Albania, there were no <laughs> buildings, church buildings. Of course not. They had all been destroyed. But what happened out of that is that in all of those home visits, people getting the New Testament in their language, people came to faith in Christ. And they then came together and began meeting in one another's homes. Just like the book of Acts describes. And those house churches grew very rapidly. We, we were amazed at hundreds of people coming to faith in Christ and then getting into different house churches. In your house out there, there were 20. In your house, there were 18. And, uh, and in your house, there were 30 that would meet each week and you know, pray and hear the word and and seek to follow Christ together. See, that is how the New Testament church began. So we say the church exists where every people are committed to Jesus and committed to one another. Now, a bit of humor with this wonderful growth of the gospel in the country there is that all of these house churches were growing and growing and so they decided they wanted to have a, a, a common place to at least have communion and worship. So they rented an old broken down tavern 
And like this picture of the, of the city bus I showed you, it looked the same thing. You know, it was weeds growing, doors, you know, falling, falling apart. But what we had there is that our communion, there was a bond for the bread and the cup. And so communion took place, worship took place in that gathering in a tavern of more people than could meet in individual homes. So the central message of the New Testament is that the church exists, where people are committed to Jesus and to one another. And so in light of that, I leave with you the, the insert in the Sermon Outline. There is a, a list of the one another verses in the New Testament. These are verses that have the phrase, quote, one another in them. <clears throat> Encourage, support. Pray for, confess your sins to, who, to who? One another, one another. I looked at this list again this past week and I went, wow, this, this is a staggering list. And you only have part of it, answer. There are about 60, six, zero, one another verses all the way through the New Testament. So, under the heading of healthy, strong churches in 2021, it means that those churches have a really, really clear vision and connection and desire to know more of Jesus and follow him. And then in those similarly healthy churches, the connection one with another is even greater. Well, I close with a, an account out of my, <clears throat> after I took, after I left Anchorage, I was able to take interim pastor training. And then my first call to be an interim transitional pastor was at Park Boulevard Church in Oakland, and you know, quite a strong, healthy church growing. But as I got there as an outsider, I discovered that they had also on staff somebody who was responsible for all the pastoral care in the congregation. So if someone in the hospital or someone had an accident, whatever, this person, Pastor Bob, they called him, was responsible for it. What I discovered quite soon is that every time I or somebody else was in conversation with Pastor Bob, the conversation turned around and it became centered on him and all of his accomplishments and the books he had published and read. I thought, this is weird. You know, 
peaceful pastoral care to listen to you, help you connect, help you get better. But he's talking about himself. Well, time passed, a few months passed, and he felt called to move on to another position, and he left the area. And then the elder for personnel and on had a chance to meet and talk, and we said, where do we go from here? He said, this has become a model for this church. And instead of being concerned and connected with one another, you talk about yourself. You make sure you tell everyone all the great things you've done and done. And done. That, that was the model. That was the paradigm he created. What do we do? I asked her, elder for personnel. Well, as it turned out, Deborah Russell, the elder, had a full-time job in the Bay Area in which she worked with a group of high-tech companies and her sole task with those companies was to teach and to help them practice active, empathic listening with one another. When she told me that, I fell out of my chair. I said, that's amazing. Really? You have that expertise? Yeah. And so she and I and others began with the very small groups in that church, deacons, session, different task groups. We began going to those groups to teach and demonstrate active, empathic listening. It was her teaching was a game changer for that church. Part of what happened was those folks got in touch with that. Those two little words, one another. They began to say, no, it's not all about me. No, I'm, I'm called to connect with you and to listen. Well, one of the great passages in Scripture that's really, that really hits us in the face is in the book of James. <clears throat> the book of James hits on a lot of topics that we just go, oh dear, I don't want to deal with that. That's it. James chapter 1, verse 19. He says, Be quick to Listen and speak. I have found that simple paradigm to be so helpful in so many different settings and so many different churches. But it's the paradigm that talks about how any local church becomes even stronger. One of the things that Deborah and I would do as we, as she taught groups, is that we would have people <clears throat> divided into groups of three, and you'd be the talker, you'd be the listener, 
and then you would observe on how well you would listen. Well, that was a real game changer, you know, because we think we listen, but that person was observing how well we were listening, and, and things were said like, this is how you can listen better. Duh. Really? Oh, okay. I think I'll work on trying to listen better. See, under the heading of relationships, when we are listening carefully to another, that relationship then is strengthened and made much stronger. So the church has its foundation in relationships. Jesus said to so many of these crazy sinners, It's an invitation. What does it look like to follow him to life? And then the church is about lots of other people. Oh, you're following Jesus too? Yeah. So tell me, how's that going? Yeah. How can I, or do you have some ideas about how I could follow him better? Hmm? That's the church intended to be. Well, I close with this in terms of one specific that has happened this week that helps this church be even more connected with one another. And, and that is in cooperation with the elders and the deacons. It's called the Parish Plan. And right there back there on that little table that has announcements, there's two important things out there you'll see. One is a notebook that says Session Minutes 2021. Well, in every church in our denomination, those are to be made very public. Well, here they are. That's for everyone to look at. And then secondly, right next to it, is the list of the parish groups. It shows the elder, the deacon, and the top, and then shows the yeah, eight, ten people that are in that parish group. Well, part of the reason that Deacons, Elders, and I have encouraged the establishment of this is that then this serves as a, as a go-to situation. So if you're in parish group X and something unfortunate happens to you or to a relative, and you go, hmm? Where, who, who can I go to in the church to help me? Or who would even, who do I go to to get someone to pray for me? Or my uncle's in the hospital, and well, what do I do now? Parish group then shows where you are, the group you're in, and it shows the elder and the deacon, and so they are then the contact persons for you. Because as you see in that list of one another verses, the church is about one another. A great verse in that section says, encourage one another, support one another. So all of those things will be done even more effectively as we together are in 
the parish. So let me pray as we conclude and come to the Lord's Supper. Lord, we uh, we thank you for your word, the amazing biblical history of your church down through the centuries. So we pray that by your Holy Spirit, that you might come and energize us, us the tired people, energize us by your Holy Spirit to be effective with one another and even stronger in reaching out to the world that's right around us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.